high He lives in us With mighty hands And gentle touch He is the star
Merry Christmas. We pray that you have just an incredible uh, time with your family and friends, as well as just an incredible holiday season as we celebrate the birth of our Savior. I want to talk to you about believing the impossible. Believing the impossible. Do you ever struggle believing that God truly loves you? You look at your life, you look at where you've been, maybe some of those things that you've done, do you ever struggle believing that God really loves you? And then, do you struggle believing that God maybe wants to do something in you and with you and through you that would absolutely blow your mind? Do you struggle believing that God uh, may give you an assignment that's impossible for you to do? It would be my question as well. Has God ever misled you? I want to read a text out of Luke chapter 1, kind of a familiar uh, Christmas narrative, if you will. God sent Gabriel, the angel, to a city in Galilee called Nazareth. He came to a virgin by the name of Mary who was engaged to Joseph. The angel said to her, Greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. She was very perplexed and kept pondering what the statement meant. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid. You have found favor with God. You will conceive in your womb. You'll bear a son. You shall call his name Jesus. He will be great. He will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord will give him the throne of David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will have no end. Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I am a virgin? The angel said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason, the Holy Child shall be called the Son of God. And behold, Mary, even your relative Elizabeth, who is old right now, she has conceived a son in her whole old age. She has been barren for all these years, and now God has done something in her. For nothing will be impossible with God. Mary said, Behold, the bondservant of the Lord. May it be done to me according to your word. What a phenomenal response. May it be done to me. May you do whatever you want to do according to your word. Now, I would encourage you to ponder the life of Mary. Mary's probably uh, a young, probably 15-year-old girl when uh, the angel comes to her and kind of says, uh, God wants to do something with you. God wants to do something radical with you, but she's fearful. She's shocked. She's confused. Now, Gabriel, God's messenger, is the one who kind of pays her a visit. 
Greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. She's perplexed. She kept pondering. The word perplexed means to be disturbed and agitated at the soul. But yet she kept pondering, which means she carefully was considering what the salutation and word from the Lord was. Favored one literally translates, you are graced by God. God is showering grace down on you. God is with you. God desires to do something in you and with you and through you that will change the world forever. Now, now keep keep that thought in mind. God wants to do something in you and with you and through you that has never been done and will never be repeated in human history. Now, when Mary says yes, Yes, be it unto me according to your word. Do what you want to do to me. She was agreeing to walk down a very, very difficult road. I mean, this was going to be a difficult road and a different, difficult life that she was going to embrace. She would probably be gossiped about when people found out that she was unwed yet engaged and already pregnant. What are they going to say about her? It's going to be a difficult road, not only just with the conception And through this entire pregnancy, it's going to be a difficult road because one day she's going to stand there as this baby that she's given birth to is murdered and crucified on a cross. God was inviting Mary to be a part of experiencing the impossible. God was saying, Mary, I got an assignment for you, but it's not going to be possible with man what I'm desiring to do. This is going to be a grace promise that will be fulfilled by me, for nothing will be impossible with God. Nothing. So here's the question. Personalize this. What is God desiring to do with your life? What is God desiring to do in you today, with you, through you, for his glory? you got, you got to stop there and think, am I really afraid that God may give me an assignment It's impossible. God may give me a task that, humanly speaking, I can't accomplish. 1 Corinthians 1, verse 27 says, God intentionally chose the things the world considers foolish in order to shame those who are wise. God chooses those things that are foolish. The world looks at it and says, they're no good. They're they're, they're not worth much. They don't have value. They're not as sharp as some of the other people. God chooses that. He goes on to say, he chose those who are powerless to shame those who are powerful so that no one can ever boast in the presence of the Lord. Here's a conclusion. God chooses and uses ordinary people to do extraordinary things. God chooses and uses people that are just walking in the natural to be a part of accomplishing supernatural work that he desires to do in and through you. Now, this can be said of us, right? Because when we look at ourselves, we conclude, there's really nothing that's special about me. Yeah, yeah, we we are all in the same fraternity there. But, But here's the reality. God is in me through faith and repentance as I've turned from my sin and placed my faith and confidence in Christ. I now belong to Jesus. And because now God is in me and I am in Christ, the possibility of God doing something 
miraculous and amazing can take place. You go, but but I'm not anything special. I heard a guy say years ago, if you think if you really think you're too small to be effective, get in a tent with a mosquito. And I started laughing when I heard that. I'm like, yeah, a stinking small mosquito can disrupt a night of rest. It's it's a small thing, but God uses those small things, things that the world looks at as inferior or inadequate, and God goes, I want to use you. When you study the pages of Scripture, uh, God chose ordinary people uh, throughout history, all the way back from Genesis, even through uh, the end of the New Testament, when you read the narrative that God has laid out for us, Paul hated Christians. Paul helped kill a guy by the name of Stephen, yet God chose him and he ends up writing the majority of the New Testament. We read about Noah. Noah struggled with drinking at times, even got drunk, hammered, was naked laying in his tent, yet God said, no, Noah, I, I've got an assignment for you. We're going to build this ark and I want to use you. Gideon? who was a warrior of the Lord, was afraid and battled fear. David, he had an affair. Yeah, he hooks up with this Bathsheba girl, and then he ends up having her husband killed, but yet God raised him up and considered him a man after God's own heart after he repented and came back to the heartbeat of God. Elijah, he was suicidal. He calls down fire from heaven, and God is doing amazing things with him, but yet he runs into a Jezebel and freaks out. Jonah? He was a rebel. He ran from God, but yet God used him to proclaim a simple message that saw the entire city of Nineveh repent. And then you look at the Samaritan woman who had been married five times, and she was shacked up with a guy, and she was labeled and known by her failure, but yet God used her. So when we start to contemplate God believing the impossible, he takes ordinary people, people with problems, People just like you and people just like me. And he goes, I can do something with you. Because it's not what your past says about you that matters. It's what I say about you. God can use you because God can change you. God can change you. God can take that which is ruined and wretched and God can bring about a beautiful portrait from it. We oftentimes say you can't have a testimony without tests and moans uh, in your life. And God goes, yeah, I've allowed you to be tested, but I want to use you. But I started thinking about this. We all have a past track record. You've got one and I've got one and we know it. And reality is oftentimes one of the, the blocks or these mind monsters that we have, we look and go, I know my past. I know where I was. I know what I did. And some of us lived uh, a rebellious, radical, uh, distant from God life. And we go, I, I remember that. And, and, and for some of us, we sit there and we go, yeah, but my family and friends remember my past. I put them through hell and they know how uh, poisonous my lifestyle was. Yeah. And then we look and go, Satan? Yeah, man, he's the author of confusion and He's the accuser of the brethren, and he remembers my past, and he loves to bring it up against me. But I was pondering, thinking, you know, even though I may remember my past, and even though my family and friends may remember my past, and even though Satan may try to use my past against me, God in heaven has forgiven my past, and it is no obstacle for him to use me in the future. 
Oh, I've got to rest in that. God in heaven has forgiven me. He says in Colossians 1.13, he has rescued us from the domain of darkness. We were living in darkness. Satan had a stronghold on our lives. He has transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sin. So God desires to bring about a new beginning and a new direction and a new life for each and every one of us. You think about this. Peter, after he denied the Lord, he preached the most powerful sermon he ever preached. Thousands came to faith in Christ. Moses, he murders a dude. He lives on the backside of the desert, but yet God entrusted the Ten Commands and, and he used Moses in a powerful way to lead the people of Israel. Samson, Samson sinned against the Lord. Samson was a womanizer, but yet God still raised him up. Abraham lied. He told others, Sarah's my sister, and yet God redeemed Abraham's story because his story mattered, and God goes, I, I, I want to do something with you. Jacob, he was a deceiver. He lied about his own identity, stole the birthright and blessing, basically, and God changes his name to Israel, saying, I want to use you. God uses ordinary people, average people, people who are foolish and weak and despised and crippled with failure. When God gets a hold of our hearts, God can do radical things with us. Here's my question. Will you let God use you? Will you believe God for the impossible in your life? Will you ask God to do something that's exceedingly abundantly above anything that you can ask or think? Because it doesn't matter who you are, and it doesn't matter where you came from, and it doesn't matter what problems you've had, and it doesn't matter what type of personality you display, and it doesn't matter what level your education is. What matters is, well, I say, be it unto me according to your word. Do to me, God, what only you can do for your glory. God can use you if you make yourself available to him. Mary's question was this, how can this be since I'm a virgin? How can you cause you to live inside of me in the person of baby Jesus in my womb? How can this happen? And some of you you look at your own lives and you go, God, how can you do anything in me since I am a sinner, an adulterer, a drug addict, a cheat, a liar? I'm narcissistic. I blame. How can you do anything in me? And so we come to God oftentimes and we use our excuses. I mean, think about it. God's heard excuses forever. I mean, back in Genesis chapter 17, he heard the, I'm too old excuse. Abraham and Sarah threw that card on the table when God promises, I'm going to give you a son. And Abraham's 100 years old and Sarah's 90 and they began to laugh. And he's like, dude, do you know the last time I went to Victoria's Secret to buy that woman something? She's 90. She's old. Come on. The sex appeal has been lost. And God says in Genesis 18, 14, is anything too difficult for the Lord? If what he's saying is too old, nothing will be impossible for God. I'm not gifted enough. 
That was Moses' excuse, right? Exodus chapter 4, Lord, I've never been eloquent. I'm slow of speech. God responded to Moses, who gave man his mouth? Is it not I the Lord? Now go and I will speak and teach you what to say. I think oftentimes we use that excuse. I'm not gifted. I'm, I'm not sharp. I'm not articulate. Moses, nothing will be impossible with the Lord. Well, I'm too young. I'm just too inexperienced. I, I haven't had enough experiences in life and enough training in life. I mean, look at the life of David. He was a teenage boy. He was skinny, smelly, a little red-headed, freckle-faced boy hanging out uh, in the pasture. And God yet raises him up, and he takes on a giant by the name of Goliath. The Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider his appearance or his height. The Lord does not look at man the way man looks at man. And then he says, man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. David, nothing will be impossible for your God. You say, I'm not educated enough. I mean, that could be the disciples. When you go back and study Acts, great passage in 13 and 14 of Acts 4, when he says, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, uneducated men. They were all astonished and they took note because these guys had been with Jesus. Uneducated, unschooled, unlearned, not the sharp of the sharp. And when they saw the courage and the confidence and the resolve inside their hearts, man, what has happened with these guys? They've been with Jesus. Grace says nothing is impossible with God. Hudson Taylor, he's a legend and a hero amongst missionaries, if you will. He founded the China Inland Mission. People say that Hudson Taylor, just with his personality and some of uh, his quirkiness about him, he was a misfit. They said he was oftentimes sick. And even against the advice of Christian leaders, when they said, dude, don't go there, he went there to China. And God ended up doing amazing things through Hudson Taylor. When he was asked one day, why did the Lord use you so greatly? Hudson responded, God had looked for a man weak enough to use, and he found me. And I love that. God is looking for people weak enough, meaning we don't trust us. We don't trust our resources and our agenda and our uh, just the adequacies that we think we bring to the dance. He looks for someone weak saying, Lord, I believe you can do the impossible. God didn't choose Mary because she was special. Mary was special because God chose her. Here would be my close to you today. This is how God operates with us. We must get to a place as we contemplate the Christmas narrative, as we contemplate this whole idea of Christ coming to earth, the initial kind of story with factoring in humanity started with this angel Gabriel showing up and conversing with Mary saying, Hail favored one, greetings 
grace by the Lord. The Lord is with you. God wants to do the impossible. And Mary concludes, be it unto me according to your word. Do to me exactly what you want to do. My encouragement to you as you embrace this Christmas story, this Christmas narrative, and the hope of the gospel is that you would bow in humble repentance and say, God, do to me what you want to do to me. Do with me what you want to do with me. Do through me what you want to do through me. Would we all cry out to Jesus and really recognize and respond to him as Savior, as Lord, as Master, as authority, as ruler of all. Be it unto me according to your word. Do to me, God, what you want to do for your glory. I pray that today's word encouraged you. And thanks for joining us uh, on this uh, broadcast today. If we can help you in your walk with Christ in any way, feel free to contact us here at the Cross Loganville. Our email, info at thecrossloganville.org, or you can call us 770-554-3322. God bless you, and I pray that you have just an incredible day.